This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast, Canada's best poets. We have a little series we've been working on, Amazing Poets in Canada. We continue that with a chat with a gentleman named R.C. Weslowski. He's from the West Coast. He's got a new book coming out. He shares some of his new work. He does some poetry reading. And we chat into the impact of a poet's words. Blaine Kylo, Technological World, is on the shift. Details on Choose Your Own Adventure videos, plus a Mech Warrior talk for video games and so much more. Are you okay with drunk texting? Come on, we've all done it. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with drunk texts? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Ooh. You have a story there? It no. sounds like there's a story. I yeah. actually, um, I change a little bit when I do drunk text. Um, I become more... Oh, is it more friendly? I actually become friendly. Like I want to, ha- <laughs> I want to have conversations with people and things. Um, they're never usually anything too terribly embarrassing, but it's just like suddenly I'm like, "How's your day? What's up? How's life?" But yeah. I'm not like that when I'm sober. <laughs> I, it's like a, it I don't care about your day when I'm sober. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? That, I uh, well. Like drunk texts, I'm I I text quite often. Drunk texts are just a little bit more funny. If it's a if I text when I'm high, that's when it's something funny because I get very poetic, and I'll tend to write like three paragraphs, which could have been one sentence, and uh, I'll take screenshots because I find it hilarious and like get a great ideas randomly. Uh, but the only kind of inebriated texting I'm not okay with is to an ex. Or somebody you're fighting with that you must avoid at all costs. Mm-hmm. I like to catch up. I think I'm like Brennan. I'm like, you know who I haven't reached out to in a long time, <laughs> and then I send that text like one thirty in the morning, or maybe one thirty in the afternoon, depending on the day, um, and send that drunk text. But they can go sideways really quick. I we have a friend in common who will remain nameless, Ryan, who we used to work with, and. Um, let's just make up a name like Jacqueline. And I know that uh, this person, when she does that before bed, she deletes all of her text messages because she doesn't want to know. She knows that when she goes to bed at night, she's (laughs) like, I'm going to just delete all of this. So I don't find out in the morning what I did. I feel less shame. And then when the text comes in and says, hey, pretty drunk last night, I don't deleted it. I don't know what I said. I was drunk. Please forgive me. And uh, and that way she never needs to know what her drunk text said. So it's an amazing not a bad idea. idea. Actually, right. Uh, we've all made the mistake at some point, drunk texting here and there. This guy used his drunk texts for good. The South Carolina Aquarium on Monday shared a screenshot of messages sent to the Ask uh, Ask and Aquarium Educator. A number from a very drunk man. The man who was currently at the corner of Market and Meeting Streets has the educator what that spot would have looked like 10,000 years ago before the area was settled by humans. And he asked even more questions. Um, There's no audio there. Was there audio there? 
No, no, there's no audio. I have the tweets oh. here. Would you oh, like okay. To one? I would love to. That would be okay. nice. Thank you for letting me know. All right. On what subjects do <laughs> I love this one? On what subjects do marine biologists disagree? There must be things generally agreed upon. But what theories are currently being debated? Also, why do seahorses grab anything they can with their prehensile tail? Why should I only eat oysters in months that contain the letter R? <laughs> and then the response from the, uh, they, they provide responses to every single one of those questions. And then he says, thank you so much for all of your answers. My wife should be happy. I drunk text aquariums and not other women. And the aquarium responds, of course, thank you for all of your fun questions. Your wife is a totally lucky lady. <laughs> oh that's fun that's fun. fun drunk texting i see i'm uh, okay with that that's good all right i like that very good stuff okay are you okay are you okay with talking dogs well how much are they saying <laughs> and what are they saying yeah because <laughs> i yeah, that sounds suspicious like the dog knows the secret <laughs> <laughs> uh no uh no no i'm not okay with talking dogs they should just mm. uh I, maybe i'm a traditionalist they should just stick to barking mm. fair enough i will what were say you that yeah i'll say that being around a brand new puppy uh lately uh it do, she doesn't bark often uh, but I would, I really like that, you know, she bites and she's kind of crazy, but she doesn't talk, you know, it's not like a baby crying. So there's peace and quiet when there needs to be. So a dog talking, it would kind of just be like the movie up, you know, Hey, what's going on? Let's go outside. What do you want? What's going on? I, that, yeah, no, I don't need that. That you was know, a very good movie. You know, I think I my, like that that. mom might've warped me because she always like made dog like little voices for dogs when I was a kid and like made them have try to have conversations with me. So maybe that's why I'm very opposed to mm. talking dogs, to be honest. That could be. Yeah. Or just talking to anybody, apparently. Yeah, that too. <laughs> based, on, based on your <laughs> stories uh, tonight. Uh, okay, well, there's an interesting uh, trend emerging online. I don't know if it's real or not, but it seems to be pretty real. Oh, the dog real. owners are teaching their pets to speak by using buttons that are programmed to play certain words when they're pressed. And I'm imagining that the dogs understand the word like, say, sit and, you know, or walk. And then they realize the button sounds like the person. Therefore, when they want want to go for a walk, uh, then they push the button and it says walk. Right? So it's interesting. So dogs stand next to a row of buttons and they look like those staples buttons, right? That was easy. Those buttons. Mm -hmm. And they've been pre-recorded with words from the owner. The dog pushes the buttons with their paw and words like more and now and stuff like that or are heard or it's interesting talking dogs saying things like this by pushing buttons. Treat? You just had a whole bunch. You can't have any. No treats for you. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's right. an angry dog. Uh, so we had to bleep out the, uh, the A part of the hole there. But that was the uh, that was the last comment from the dog. See, that's why I kind of go. Maybe it's not real, but the more you watch them, it becomes interesting. 
And it is curious. So this is the same uh, similar video of a dog named Bunny. It's become very famous online because she can seem to form sentences with the buttons. Have a listen. Yeah, we're home now. Yep, exactly. We're home now. Oh, I love you too, Bunny. I love you too. Come here. Whoa. Wow. Love you, Mom. Wow. So it does it does it does beg the question, are the dogs so familiar with the words because you know, you say sit and you say want to go for a walk or whatever, and the dogs respond to that. Um you know, need to go pee or want to go outside, or you know, one that we use is okay, time to go get busy. And the dogs go outside, they go straight to the door, they go outside, they go to the bathroom, right? So like it, it just makes it curious. Are you okay with that? Mm. Would you be okay with that when you walk home and then your dog starts nagging you too? <laughs> I, or is that divorce the, guy talking? I, well, maybe a little bit of both. I would say it's like the kind of thing, maybe you turn it on on a Friday, you know, once a week to have fun with it, but to have it mm -hmm. on all the time, that seems like a slippery slope of you getting real sick and tired of your dog also, or getting famous on TikTok. It seems to me that with a little bit of technology, you could, you said like maybe on the weekends, you could take this, you could have a few drinks, mm -hmm. you could Bluetooth your phone to those buttons on the ground and just let your dog text, drunk text everybody for you on the weekends. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so that wasn't me, man. Treat. It was my dog said he loves you. <laughs> my dog. <laughs> Treat. Treat. <laughs> Love. Want to come over tonight? <laughs> <laughs> are you okay are you okay with mice they are cute yeah mice are cute rats no mm. mice you know just like one mm -hmm. they're fine like in your apartment like no. just coming out of the walls because i no i lived in an apartment with mice and i also had a Ooh. cat and i had this cat was all like okay with mice because this cat would actually play with the mice. So it was like, where are your natural? No, cat. it was like, where are your natural instincts? Yeah, see, that's problematic right there. I mean, that's the problem with a cat, right? Like the cat, you got one job, cat. Yeah. And you're not doing your job. That's why dogs rule. Step one. I mean, if it's a mouse that has a perfect little arch doorway in the, um, you know, in the wall. I mean, and that's cool. I like those ones. They're fun mice. Um, but, I mean, no, I'm not okay with mice just in general. They, they move quickly out of the corner of your eye, and they're freaky. So, Australians have had to put up with a lot of mice in recent years. Massive wildfires, floods, heat waves, COVID, and a plague. Uh, a plagues of, uh, plagues, a plague of tiny little mice. Here's more from Nine News in Australia. Look, there are concerns this morning. The mouse plague wreaking havoc across New South Wales could soon arrive in Sydney. The Daily Telegraph reports the rodents have already made their way into the city on trucks carrying food. The state government has just announced 5,000 litres of the world's strongest mice killer will be distributed to farmers once it passes approval. Of all the things in Australia that can eat you, I don't think mice should be at the top of the list of things to be worried about. No, I'm just saying. Which is why you should keep reading because it gets worse. Oh, no. 
Gerard Dallow from Sydney-based MicroPest told 9.com.au that he had previously worked in an area of South Australia where mice, mouse infestations happen rather often. He has some bad news. He said mouse numbers were likely to take a hit during the winter, and come summertime, the mice would turn from predators to prey. After the mice, the snakes will follow. <laughs> Essentially, a plague of snakes is set to follow the plague of mice. Snakes are, of course, less damaging to crops and homes. But, you know, snakes and stuff. You know, am I... <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was in Australia for like six months on a work visa. I worked there, too. It's on my resume. Oh, <laughs> but on my first night in Brisbane, I encountered like a pet store-sized lizard at the bus stop just on the sidewalk. So, I, you know what? Like, Australia is... Cool. Yeah, it's just... They're used to this. They'll be fine with snakes and mice. It's just, it's part of the menagerie that they got going on down there. This is the Shift Podcast. As part of Throwback Thursday, we're going to throw back to an old guy. I'm just kidding. That's actually not the case. But here's the cool part we are throwing back a little bit to. Uh, some old relationships and friendships that through the course of time have brought us to more conversation through poetry and some of our favorite things to talk about here on The Shift. And that is R.C. Weslowski. Now, here's the cool part. When I spoke to Shane Coison, now Shane Coison, we had planned to bring on The Shift. Then we had some of you, The Shift heads, say to us, what about Shane Coison? I love that guy. So I did. We brought him on. It was really cool. And then I said to Shane Coison, if you could pick one poet in Canada that we should have on the shift, who's that? He said, R.C. Wislowski. The guy's been a part of poetry all through the 90s. Poetry slams. We came up in the game together, which was, I, I totally felt like it was like street cred stuff. <laughs> so I, uh, we did. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a message reached out from our buddy, Bob Addison. And Bob said, R.C. Wislowski is your guy. I've heard your stuff on poetry. You got to talk to that guy. And so turns out, Kismet, star-crossed, and here we are. Welcoming into the show, R.C. Wislowski from Vancouver. He's a poet. He's been around for a long time. Our question we just asked the shift heads, by the way, R.C., is that um, is where were you in 1977? Where were you living, and how old were you? I was in Abbotsford, and uh, I would have been 13 years old. There it is. Star Wars, best movie of, uh, of that, that era, do you think? Uh, you know, I really, I didn't like it as much. I was a really? big Battlestar Galactica fan. Oh, um, competition. Which was, the t- which was the television show at the time. That and Space 1999. Um, but later on, I, you know, got into Star Wars. And uh, I liked the, the third one of those first three best. Yeah, it got pretty good. Have you ever watched them in order when they go... Um- when you go four, five, six, one, two, three, and then the technology change when you watch it in order, it's very funny. Maybe, yeah, I have not, but yeah, I can. I've, I haven't watched them in order, but I've seen the, the difference. Yeah, yeah I, oh, I love it. All right, uh, the reason why we're here is to chat about poetry in general. Introduce the shift heads to your work and to you, and um, and you do. I very conveniently have new work that is coming out this week. So let's just start right there. My soft response to the wars. Uh, where does that come from? What is it? And what can we look forward to? Uh, that poem in particular was written back in 2003 um, in response to the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq. And uh, it was rather than, 
you know, like, ah, rhetoric, rhetoric, rhetoric. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Um, it was, I tried to flip it. I wanted to do a soft response to the wars and try and um, approach it via compassion and whatnot. And I think now, though, for the title of the book, The Wars is um, a lot of time in the book, I'm reflecting back on my childhood and parts of that childhood could be with through abuse and trauma and stuff like that. So um, it's the, those wars as well, as far as the framing the collection. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the content, uh, but it's also very surreal and uh, also hopefully uplifting and welcoming. And, and I always feel like love is the driving force behind all the poems, even if they don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily seem like it, uh, right off the top by the subject of the poem in particular. Oh, I love that. You take me to a place in my writing where I speak about love being extraordinary, right? Like up, down, left, right, happy, sad, ordinary, because mm-hmm. it has an antithesis. Love doesn't have an antithesis. So if there is love, there is just a lack of love and how they are one in the same, right? So mm-hmm. like you can't have love unless there's a lack of love. And uh, if you're experiencing a lack of love, you can't have that unless love is present somewhere. So um, I kind of get that when you say uh, that sometimes the wars can be based on love too. Isn't it, isn't it ironic how you couldn't fast forward to a pandemic to release these works, which you could probably very easily translate into a war in itself? Mm-hmm. That's true. Is it, uh, is it still relevant when we look at what we're going through in the last 15 months? Does uh, it unfortunately. Fit? Unfortunately. Yeah, isn't yeah. that the truth, eh? Yeah. I mean, Ego would say, yeah, I nailed it. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the, lo- the love part says, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, love and compassion and uh, a lot of satire and sarcasm in there as well in the book. Um, but I think those, so, I mean, there's some poems that are probably of a time, but there's also, I feel, hopefully some that are, you know, timeless and, are just about us trying to cope as human beings, you know, and, and trying to find solace in each other. Well, we certainly could use a soft response in a lot of ways to what we're going through today. Um, that part could absolutely be timeless. Well, since we're talking about the book, RC, can we, um, can we, can we look at something from the book? Can you give us a little nugget? Sure. Um, this is a poem that I really like to do. Um, it's, it's new in the sense, like it's only three years old, but uh, it's, been revised and edited for the book it's called sparks and uh it just goes like this a microphone naked on a stage i invite you to consider it as a 21st century campfire and all of us are sparks waiting to be unhusked like incandescent haulers moving faster than the speed of profound. So let's breathe hot breath upon these embers. Let's kill loneliness together, shine a light on one another so we might recognize ourselves on the other side of this shimmering flume. Teach us your arthritic rosary and your shattered kneecaps full of prayer. Sing us your dirty tantrum, your dance hall love song. Tell us the names of the places spoken in their mother tongues, the names of the places more than 10,000 years old, the names of the places that wrestle English into submission and redraw the maps made by colonialism. Teach us the history of the people in the photos on your refrigerator door, that 50th birthday party, and all those friends who aren't around anymore. 
that MDMA experiment, your auntie's mud wrestling championship, and that one right there of your four-year-old niece moping in a garden full of bloom. I want to know about the first day you started loving yourself and the next day when you didn't stop. I really need to figure out how you lost all your teeth and fell prey to that conspiracy of pajamas. Teach us the story of the coughing dog and the fable of the one-eyed bat that lives in your heart and protects the bug-eating children of your trailer park. Because I swear to whatever mask that you pray to, with each breath that is taken, each word that is spoken, we push back against the assimilation machine. We push back against the prefab, bleached out, white bread, blue eyed God of monoculture. We push back against the shroud. And yeah, I'm in it for me as much as I want it for you. Maybe even more so. I'm getting older. I might die soon. You never know. You really never know. And I've got a lot of regrets. But being here with you, being as human as possible, isn't one of them. If I could, I would have come to this National Park of Communion a hell of a lot sooner. I would have warmed my heart on your fire years before. I would have fought harder against the stapling of my tongue to the roof of my mouth by every demon that ever abused me. I would not have wandered in this world as a ghost for so long. But enough of that. The past is the past. So bring us your broken cowbell and your tattered flag of semaphore. This is a rescue mission. We need to free the frozen mermaid of your prairies. Find the secret word deep inside you and release your spark. R.C. Weslowski. Uh, that's fantastic. Whoa, there's a lot there. So who's the rescue mission? Is this uh, you saving other people or are you saving yourself, brother? Uh, I think both. By doing one, both. you do the other. It's, a, it's an invocation and an invitation for people to find the thing inside them that needs to be said. The thing that is beyond the rhetoric, beyond the politics, beyond, you know, all those things that we identify us as that can keep us separate. And so find that thing that's deep inside you where we all are the same. And maybe we can connect there and move through so many divisions. It's a cool challenge of the truth, isn't it? That poem, mm -hmm. you know, the truth of the stories that we've been told and not only the stories that we've been told, but the stories we've been uh, chosen to believe mm -hmm. um, yeah. pajamas is fun, right? That's cool. The only wear yeah. pajamas based on vanity, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, that, that line in particular is my uh, girlfriend. She is uh, a big believer of sleeping in the nude and she has never worn pajamas. And she's like, and I was I, when we first started seeing each other, I still like would, would wear some clothes to bed. And she's like, what are you doing? Let mm -hmm. us be naked in bed. You mm -hmm. know, this is the way it's supposed to be, not uh, with uh, pajamas in particular. So, well, ironically, you know what that brings up for me is locking the front door. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. It's a very similar storyline. And trust me, when I try to connect pajamas and locking the front door. <laughs> um, but how many times were you told by your grandmother or your mother or whatever, like wear nice pajamas just in case the house catches fire. So the firemen, <laughs> so the firemen, right, don't have to see you run out naked. And so those, my house has never caught fire. Yeah. And right. Besides, there's blankets by the door. I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, and the other part is, is, is very similar to that is locking the front door. I have a lock on my door. I've never been broken into. 
Mm. I've never found anyone suspicious in my house. Everything else. But sure enough, when I go to bed at night, I go downstairs and I double check that that front door is locked. Yeah. I have no reason other than stories. Yeah, and yeah. I really got that out of there. Assimilation in there too. And uh, the mask you pray to is pretty wicked. Um, look at ego. I hear that. Um, that's remarkable. Thanks. I love that. Thank you. Um, so why poetry though? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been in the game. You've done the live stuff, the slam stuff. You've done the writing, the quiet, sit at home in a pandemic and <laughs> release a book. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it for you? Um, I think it's like the book, putting a book out is different, um, for me because I'm primarily a live performer and I'm, uh, I believe in spoken word to being of the moment in the moment. And if you're there, you get to experience with whoever it is on stage. Um, and if you're not too bad that time, but wait for the next time, be there. Uh, so making it permanent, uh, to a degree, and putting in a book is different to me and a bit of a challenge. And I was a, always was a bit reluctant around it. But um, the publisher, uh, Right Bloody North, and uh, Brad Morden, who's looking after that um, uh, line of, of publishing, uh, wanted me to be a part of this now. Because it's a new, Right Bloody is a, an, a publisher in the U.S. And Right Bloody North is the Canadian affiliate. And Brad Morden is the one looking after it. And when he started putting this together, I was one of the first people he wanted to um, have on the label, mm. more or less label, I guess. And yeah. um, and so I guess that's not answering your question, but uh, well, it, it does. It actually does. Um, is there a moment live that hits? I mean, because I get the whole. I mean, here's your here's the catch twenty two, right? I mean, you get the book. Uh, there's this thing uh, that's that's brand new. I think it's going to catch on. It's called the internet. Yeah. Um, and so now there's, you know, sharing, you can share videos that aren't live, but still they're live, right? And uh-huh. now you've got books and you've got audiobooks and podcasts and all these things that can be put out there that can be perceived to be live performing, except for the fact that it's written in the book. Um, so what is it about the live part that gets you? Is it is it the environment? Is it the people? Is it connection? It's connection. I think like as I as I was putting this book together, I pondered um, my history doing spoken word and what it meant to me. And I because I think all the places that allowed me to perform over the years. And I think it was to be witnessed, listened to and believed. And I think that is what the Poetry Slam in particular offers many people because uh, I'm not of a, of a minority or any sort of um, marginalized background, but Poetry Slam offers that opportunity for people who are to get up on that stage and to be witnessed, listened to, and believed for three minutes in the competition. And I think that is super powerful. And um, making the connection is the thing that meant a lot to me. We spoke when uh, Shane Coyze and I were chatting, we were talking about echoes. Mm. And sometimes when you write and you create those things and, and, and they echo back. Last night on The Shift, I had shared my heart a little bit. We do a thing called Good News Tuesday-ish, mm-hmm. where we just share good news. And, and we've had more and more of our, our audience, the Shift heads, come back and say, hey, by the way, uh, last night's example was, I'm going to meet my daughter for the first time in 14 years, gave her up for adoption mm. in a couple of weeks. And then she texted in last night and said, I just met my daughter and here's what happened. Wow. And so um, 
and I stopped and I said, like, you have to get how amazing of a gift you're giving me here. Like, selfishly, I'm soaking it up because <laughs> the echo is coming back of the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the experience, man? You've been at this for a couple of decades, dude. Like, you, you get those echoes, they come back. And, and when you have that one poem, and whether it's pajamas or one line and somehow it comes back, what's that experience like for you? It's, uh, it's weird because it's not expected for the longest time. I was like, I, and I, you know, and I used to do really strange poems and, you know, take a while for me to like when I was starting, you know, and I didn't know how to make a connection uh, with an audience, you know, I would just get up and do stuff and then there'd be some positive reaction, negative reaction or whatever. Um, But then as you know, you get better at it and, and practice and figure out what you want and not just to cause a stir and make that connection. Um, but it still is weird coming back. And uh, like, I know other people have got this and I've had a couple of people say that they've tattooed a line or two on their, on their arm or their body or something like that of mine. Um, and that to me is like, wow, that's quite the compliment. And, uh, but it's, it's strange. And I I was even talking about echoes. I think where the echoes are the strongest for me is I used to, uh, I still do mentor youth poets, but I used to run the Youth Poetry Slam in Vancouver, and I um, am artistic director of this youth poetry festival, spoken word poetry festival called Hullabaloo. And the echoes are, and that's been going for like 11 years now, and the echoes are these kids that were in the first two or three years of this festival, and now they come back as adults, you know, now in their late 20s maybe, and, and they're still doing poetry, or if not, they come up to you and say, thank you so much for this opportunity that we had um, 10 years ago. You know, I didn't become a poet, but I had a chance to get up on stage and have my peers listen to me and witness me and believe me. And that made such a big difference. And uh, so those are the kind of echoes I really um, like, you know, even more so than a line of poetry that I've uh, shared. And somebody else says, Oh, I remember that sort of thing. RC Weslowski. I want to hold you accountable to one thing. Um, that I think that you just said that I don't think you realize how powerful you are. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to shoot it to you straight. You ready for this? Sure. You're worried about writing a book and not having to revise it again and commit to the poem. Mm-hmm. Like you, cause you said that you're like, ah, oh, live is different. Writing a book and getting it down there in, on paper. You're willing to be worried about writing it in a book and the people that are hearing you are tattooing it on their bodies. <laughs> There's a disconnect and mm. such a connection all at the same time. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. That's how powerful you are, man, is that you're writing it and they're putting it on their bodies. You've already written the book. So now it just happens to be ink on paper. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, thank you for sharing this time with us. I look forward to getting more in the future. And um, this is fantastic. So my soft response to the wars uh, out this week, probably by the weekend when uh, deliveries happen, because all these COVID delivery things are different. Um, where can everybody go to connect with you? Uh, they could go to my website, R.C. Weslowski, spelled like we slow ski. All one thing, R.C. Weslowski uh, dot com. And or for the book, you can go to writebloodynorth.ca, which is W-R-I-T-E. So writebloodynorth.ca. And 
Uh, if you want, there's lots of old videos of me performing on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, if you want, but they're older, so they're not always as good. But anyhow, they're there, uh, so yeah. people can go there too. There's something uh, nostalgic about those grainy old yeah. uh, bar videos that uh, that you know don't sound fantastic because there's mm-hmm. something cool about them. I love them. There is too. Well, I'm also on the like Instagram and uh, Twitter and all that as RC Weslowski, so people can yeah. go there if they like. All right, I like that. Thank you very much. Here's the thing: everybody can take away this, and this is what I take away. Everybody is looking for a place to belong, and for all of us, it might not be on stage at a poetry slam. We're all looking for a place to belong. And that's where R.C. Weslowski has found his. And we are all looking for an opportunity to feel understood. And R.C. Weslowski finds it inside poetry. And the invitation for you is to find yours too. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, it's fantastic. And I look forward to reading it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's the Shift Podcast. It is a technological world, and Blaine Kylo joins us from the left coast, the left coast of Canada, and uh, and uh, beautiful, beautiful West Coast. Actually, I got a thing for the West it's pretty, Coast it's these pretty days. Nice out here. It's pretty it nice is here. pretty nice out there. How you doing, Blainer? How's uh, how's springtime going with the kidlets and getting ready for the summer activities? You the the Kylo family, you know, cranking it out there. Yeah, well, we got some good news from our government yesterday, so things are opening up a little bit. The kids can start playing games in their different sports activities, which is kind of fun. And uh, things keep trending the way they have been, which is pretty dramatically dropping, actually. Then uh, we might have a pretty good summer. So let me ask you this. Kids are playing, you know, outdoor sporting activities. Yep. Dad's the cheerleader. Yeah, uh, we're not going to watch anything yet, but... Oh, okay, well, hypothetically. I cheer cheer virtually. (laughs) Uh, I'm sort of asking for the place of, like, when you you get back into it. Um, Are you you more of, like, the Yeti cup with wine or rye and Coke, or do you more do the sleeve over your can of beer, or what kind of of parent fan are you? Oh, wow, I hadn't even thought about any of those things. No, I'm usually too worked up. Um, with anxiety about how my kids are doing to contemplate anything like that. Wow, really? You actually watch them, huh? <laughs> I'm just yeah. Although, although when when my daughter's on the on the pitching mound, I'm I'm usually out deep in the field watching from afar because it's better for her and me to not be anywhere close. That's a tough one for the pitchers. That's a tough one for the pitchers. Well, geez, if you ever need some tips on how to how to do that that kind of tailgate, I got lots of experience from the hockey. I know, rink. I know I'll who help to talk there, to. Buddy. I know who to call. Yeah, I got your back. Blaine Kylo, Technological World Solo Core S O L O C O R P S dot com, and on the socials you can catch him there too. We have a couple of really cool things to look at, including one very promising story that we will make good on shortly from last week, which is about the Mech Warrior franchise. So we'll get to that first, though. Safety videos and uh, some cool stuff about if everyone's going to be out and about in the woods this summer. Uh, a bit of a follow-up and add-on to to this story. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, this is actually really cool because despite the fact that we're getting some spring summer weather out here, um, where I live on the North shore of Metro Vancouver, when you go hiking and you start getting any kind of elevation at all, there's still quite a bit of snow up there. And I know anybody in Calgary who's heading out to the Rockies to do hikes and stuff like that, there's snow in them, their mountains, despite the fact that we're close to June. Um, and North Shore Rescue is the local um, search and rescue operation here. They are always advocating for people to be smart when they go into the backcountry or even on a simple hike that you think is just going to be an easy thing. And one of the things that they've produced as an educational thing is uh, choose your own adventure in a video format. And they call it Survive Your Own Adventure. And the whole idea here is you're watching this video. You can find it at their website. And there are decision points. So it's a first-person perspective. You're seeing through the eyes of somebody who's been asked to go on a hike with a friend. And then you get to, to make decisions about what's going to happen during that hike. And each one of those decision points then takes you on a different path. And you see a different result, different consequences based on those decisions. So if you take a a path that isn't well tread or isn't well marked, you might get lost. If you uh, decide to go up when it's too late, you might end up in the deep in the forest when the sun goes down and you can't find your way out. But then if you make good decisions, you'll have good outcomes. You'll have a nice hike and you'll get home safe. It's a really clever way to put people in the shoes of the hikers so you can see what happens um, when you make good decisions and when you make bad ones. And I like this notion because my son is getting more adventurous with his driver's license. And he's like, we're just going to go for a hike in Kananaskis. And I'm like, you, what are you doing? Like, we need to talk about a couple of things here, uh, including hanging out by a mountain river. Uh, there's things that as parents we need to we need to talk to our kids about. So this sounds like a great tool that we can use. Yeah. And North Shore Rescue, th there are three things. You plan your trip. You train so you don't do something that's too aggressive for what your body is able to do. And you take the essentials and their idea, they've got 10 things. And they're listed at the website. No matter how simple your hike may be, you should always pack 10 essential items. And you can go to North Shore Rescue to find out what those are. And good transfers to all of the hikers all across Canada. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I found out today that Apple has canceled any further production of the HomePod and is only doing the HomePod Mini, uh, which right. I found heartbreaking because the HomePod itself is brutally expensive, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah, um, hands down, of all the smart speakers, it had the best sound quality, but I think they had a hard time finding a place in the market at that price yeah. point. And they're, so they're selling the little ones like everybody else is. So that made me look at Google and all of the other options out there, Alexa and all those other ones, including um, the um, Amazon one, right? So I was kind of poking around all these things. I'm surprised to see this story here about Google and Samsung now partnering up, not for the HomePod type things, but for wearables. Yeah, this comes out of Google's I.O. conference, which is their big annual, let's talk about Google and what we're going to do. Um, that happened last week. And this is one of the announcements that came out of the keynote. And it's very interesting, actually. The two companies are going to merge the operating systems that they independently developed for smartwatches. So Wear OS is the Google 
um, operating system and Tizen has been the Samsung operating system that has um, been used in their Galaxy Watch. And they've decided that they're going to combine them into a unified operating system. Uh, this, this is really interesting because it could actually be the best of both worlds. Google's had real difficulty creating connected watches like smartwatches. And so in this, they're going to get access to a watch that they haven't been able to build themselves in the Samsung Galaxy Watch. And Samsung Galaxy Watch, they actually open up that market to anybody who's got an Android device because so far the Galaxy Watch plays really well with Samsung smartphones, not so great with other Android devices. But with the Google and Samsung operating system, it means that anybody with an Android device who wants a smartwatch is going to be looking at the Galaxy Watch. The other thing is the this new operating system um, that has yet to be officially named is also going to pull in some of the Fitbit fitness software because Google bought Fitbit earlier this year. And so oh. that's also something that's going to be folded in. Up until now, Fitbit has been great for fitness trackers, but if you wanted a smartwatch with good fitness tracking, you are kind of going with an Apple Watch. Now, Google and Samsung maybe get to play in that pool a bit better. Well, and, and Google has not had a, done a great job with fashion. Samsung and Apple have done a pretty good job with fashion in their devices, and so this seems like it might be, might be smart. Google has a real hard time trying to figure out how to do the devices. So even their smartphones and their tablets, um, they haven't really been able to come up with a way to do that hardware themselves. And this might be a way that they can get into the smartwatch without actually having to make them. It sounds like a good plan. Okay, Google Earth. Going backwards in time, we finally have the first look at a time machine. This is cool. It, it really is cool. Time lapse is a new feature that Google Earth has rolled out. It gives us access to 37 years of time lapse images from about 24 million satellite photos that have been um, taken of the planet. So that's like 1984. Now, of course, you're not going to see the entire planet. Um, back to 1984, because it's not like we had satellites taking pictures of every square inch of the Earth like we have for the past couple of years. But there are enough areas of the Earth to get some really interesting looks at things. And Google has created a few videos that kind of show some of this time lapse. And one of the most um, striking to me was one that showed changes to the planet's ocean since 1984. And there's this one video where you can see how the Columbia Glacier in Alaska recedes, how much it's receded over the past 37 years. Um, and it's absolutely striking. Or uh, the way some of the, the land, especially in South America, has been deforested to such a degree that you the first image from 1984 is nice and green and lush. And you fast forward to today and it's just this brown raised landscape. It's crazy. Um, striking and and quite scary to be honest. Uh, that is interesting um, to look to be able to look back at a couple of those things. And I imagine in BC, one of the big conversations that's been going on in BC's eco world has been um, the stories around the the big the big um, old growth forests. So if you can go back that far in time, 
I imagine that's going to be a tool that gets used there to look at at those big sort of ancient trees, those massive ancient trees, and um, and take a perspective back a bunch of years too. Yeah, and that's exactly what one of the videos that Google Earth produced shows. It doesn't show the the Pacific Northwest area and all of the foresting that's been happening here, um, but it, it it would be just as dramatic here as it is in some of those places in South America. I don't know if I ever told you the story when Google came out with Street View. Um, on the maps, there was a sales guy that worked at the TV station next door to the radio station I was at. And, uh, he was always in the back alley smoking cigarettes. And so street view came out and everyone thought it was so cool and looking through downtown. It was amazing. And then we got the bright idea to look and see if Andy was in the back alley smoking a cigarette. And sure enough, in the Google street view, the very first version of it, there was Andy in the back alley smoking a cigarette and i believe that was before they started blurring everybody's faces out (laughs) yeah that's that's (laughs) another example of google just going ahead and doing something and then after the fact going oh i guess we're probably not supposed to be showing everybody's face we better fix that we should probably do some quick blurring um cool stuff okay last week we brought up the story about mech warrior and how it was a video game that i couldn't remember the name of it it was one of my favorites i've only really had a couple of favorites utopia was one b-17 bomber from back in the day on a television then there was mech warrior and there was halo mech warrior has released a bunch of new games in the last bunch of years but they've got something new and pretty spectacular coming out i think it's today or tomorrow isn't it it's right away yeah it's the 27th technically so depending on where you are in the country right now it's either out now and it might be loading onto your computer as we speak yeah, the, the first uh, MechWarrior game came out in 1989 for MS-DOS and the Apple Macintosh, so that's how far back this goes. Lots of games in the franchise release since then. We're currently on MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, developed actually in Vancouver by Piranha Games, uh, and first released in 2019, and it's sort of expanding in three ways sort of now and over the next couple of hours. One, it's actually being released on other storefronts for Windows computers. So it was exclusive to the Epic Game Store. It's now going to be available on Steam and on GOG. And it's also being released on console. So it's coming to Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S consoles. And if you're a member of the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate um, subscription service, you can play MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries right now because it's a part of that. And it's also expanding with a new expansion pack called Heroes of the Inner Sphere, which adds some new quests and missions to the game and introduces some new mechs. Now, when you played Mech Warrior, do you remember what that experience was like? I do. And you suggested that I look at the trailer to see it. It looks pretty authentic to how I recall it, just way smoother and, and technology-wise. Like, it, it looks very familiar, but that's all I really remember. In this game, you you pilot battle mechs, right? So you're in this big, massive bipedal weapon system. And Mercenaries is actually a single-player narrative game. So you're not playing with other people. You're not playing online or anything like that. And the whole idea is you're playing through, and you have to manage your machine as much as you manage the combat. So you have to repair and replace damaged parts in your mech. Um, at some point, you might actually have to abandon a mech or sell it and buy a new one based on the currency that you've acquired through the game. You have to select a proper loadout so that you've got the right ammunition and armor for the mission that you're on. 
um, it, it, it's essentially like being in a great big uh, fast moving tank. I like it. I think it looks fantastic. So uh, we got to go here. We got about 15 seconds. It, it be, being a Mac user, am I way out of the realm here or do I just have to use Steam? Uh, there's a lot of these games that you can play on Mac computers, and Steam will tell you which games you can play on Mac OS and which ones you need to be on a Windows box for. Solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S, on the uh, on the socials too. Blaine Kylo, thank you, sir. You have a fantastic weekend, and you call me if you need some help with that. Uh, what you got in that mug. I, I will. We'll see you in June. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.